You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Episode of the podcast to be named later. I'm Chris Willis, and I'm again joined by my good friend Stephen Talbert. Stephen, how are you doing tonight? What's up, Chris? We're uh, we're we got real baseball, man. We're actually watching games on a daily basis. I guess it's not real baseball. It's 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 real fake baseball, I guess. But it's still fun. We get to actually get these see these guys pitch and hit, and you know we've already had some interesting stuff happen. But it's always good to to do one of these with you, buddy. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting uh, a good time right now. I, I'm enjoying uh, these first few spring training games, trying to get used to the new rules. We've got WBC coming up in a, I think next week actually starting yep. uh, starting getting things started up. So, you know, it's gonna baseball season is gonna be here. I mean, opening day is gonna be here before we know it. So yeah, it's 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 a good time. We've got a lot to get to this week, so we're just going to jump right into it. I thought we would take a look at the position battles. This may be a reoccurrence segment on the uh, podcast now for the next few weeks. Let's start with the fifth starter spot because, you know, that was a situation that I think we, you and I both felt pretty good about considering how many options the Braves had. And, you know, it's still early in camp, but at the same time, uh, some of those guys have gotten off to slow starts. So I think it's worth uh, worth visiting here. But uh, I think the biggest news there was Ian Anderson, Bryce Elder, both made their spring debuts, both got knocked around a little bit. Elder gave up a grand slam. Ian Anderson gave up, I think, two homers in his outing. Uh, didn't get out of the first and then came back out to start the second. I don't think he made it all the way through the second either. You know, it's it, again, it, it sparks a lot of uh, conversation on social media. But at the same time, I'm not too worried about it because you've got a long spring training as their first outings. They're working on things. You know, I think I don't think you can draw too many conclusions from it. But, uh, you know, what did what did you think about uh, the two starts by Anderson and Elder? Yeah, I mean, it's such a it's such a dichotomy because, you know, you you always tell yourself spring training doesn't matter. Right. The results in spring training don't matter. And. For like 90% of the guys, that's true. And, you know, if you're Matt Olson or Austin Riley or Charlie Morton or Max Freed, you know, what you do in spring training is pretty much irrelevant. As long as you're healthy and getting your innings in and getting your work in, then that's that's all that matters. That's legitimately all that matters. But when you're a fringe guy, when you're a guy who's on the edge of the roster trying to, you know, win a spot and... And every year we hear general managers and managers talk about, you know, guys are going to come in and compete for a spot in spring training. And obviously, if you're going to compete for a spot in spring training, that means what you do in spring training inherently matters. And so that's the kind of juxtaposition you're playing with there. But the good news for Ian 
and elder is that because it's a WBC year, it's a, it is a long spring training. And so they're going to get plenty of starts and how you finish is, is substantially more important than how you start. And so it was not a good start for either one of them. Uh, Ian particularly did not look sharp at all. You know, one thing you kind of always worry about with Ian is the command, you know, he's had walk problems in the past and, um, that, that, that was one of his big problems in his start. It was, if it was, if it was in the strike zone, then it was right down the middle. And if it, you know, and, and everything else was out of the strike zone. And so, you know, that's kind of been a problem for his, you know, really since he came up, but especially since they, they instituted the, the, you know, sticky stuff ban, you know, you can kind of look at his numbers since all that stuff happened a couple of years ago. And it's been a, a steady decline for him, especially in the command department. So that's always stuff you look at, but you know, it, it's not time to worry. Uh, Allard had a good start today, which was nice to see. He's obviously another one of those fifth starter candidates. Um, he didn't have a great start either his first time out, but he looked better today. And I imagine the guys will look better as they get going. And, you know, I tweeted this out after Ian's start, but you can have a couple rough starts to, to open spring. But if you're, you know, if you're able to stack two or three good starts at the end, and really kind of close strong and, and leave them, you know, kind of leave the, the lasting memory of spring being, you know, you were pitching really well, then you can still win a job doing that, you know, doing it that way. So uh, a bad start is is way better than a bad finish. So these guys still got time, but the Braves do need somebody to step up. Um, Brad talked about, well, Brad talked about it all offseason, about how maybe the Braves should, should go get another starter just in case these guys don't look great. But you know, they didn't do that, obviously, so they need they need one of these guys to step up. And, you know, it wasn't a great start for them, but there's there's still plenty of time. I think I tweeted after with Ian Anderson, you know, uh, not to read too much into that start. And then at the same time, if he goes out next time and throws three scoreless innings, I don't think you can really read too much into that either. I think you need to really pay attention, like you said, to the command and, uh, you know, and how he's throwing, the velocity, you know, et cetera. Yep. If he's mixing in a, a breaking ball in there, you know, we had a lot of talk about the slider. You know, I don't, I don't put a lot of stock into the baseball savant uh, pitch tracking, especially during spring training. But they didn't clock him for any sliders. There was a curveball and there was a sweeping curveball, which is new for savant this year. So I wonder if that's actually what he was calling the slider early on. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to get more data, you know, to kind of kind of figure that stuff out. But you know, he's still working on things. Kobe Allard, you mentioned him. He pitched pretty well today. Three, uh, you know, three three scoreless innings. I don't remember how many strikeouts there, but you know, he looked a lot better than he did this first out and starting to ramp up to thirty to get through three innings there. You know, he's a he's an interesting guy here because I've kind of discounted him in this. Uh, fifth starter competition but you know if Anderson and Elder continue to struggle and Mike Soroka is behind then um, Allard might Allard might have a better chance at locking down a rotation spot than we thought originally so that'll be interesting to watch too Mike Soroka still not throwing off a mound Bray's been really cautious with him uh, all reports we've gotten is that the hamstrings improving they're playing it safe you know, I think uh, Mark Bowman in his uh, newsletter today said that, you know, he probably won't begin the season on the opening day roster. And I think you and I talked about this last week. You know, if he's not on the mound soon, then I th- you got to feel like it kind of really probably does take him out of the out of the mix. And, you know, he's probably going to begin the season at, at Gwinnett. But, you know, still a lot of time to see. But I think the biggest, uh, one of the biggest surprises I've seen from these early games has been Dylan Dodd, and he's been impressive. He's got seven strikeouts and four and a third inning. He uh, 
he tossed, uh, I believe, three innings uh, today against the Mets, too. And he's looked electric. I mean, I've seen a fastball up to 96 mile an hour and, you know, good uh, good secondaries. Uh, you know, I don't think he might be a guy that a lot of people haven't talked about enough. You know, he spent most of the year last year at, at Mississippi, ended at AAA. He'll, I doubt he'll make the opening day roster or anything. But that's a guy that we could see in the rotation or even in the bullpen at some point in, in this season if uh, if he's needed. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, whoever wins this fifth starter job, it's not like they're going to go through the whole season and, and pitch five guys, right? So, I mean, you know, whoever the sixth guy is, whoever the seventh guy is, whoever the eighth guy is, um, they're all going to pitch at some point. You know, Charlie Morton's going to have a stretch where he, you know, might need a break. Max is usually good for one IL stint a year. It just, that's just the nature of pitching. Obviously, Kyle Wright's got the shoulder stuff. So, all these guys are important. And I, I'm with you. Dylan Dodd has probably been, you know, outside of Von Grissom, who we're going to talk about here in a minute. Dylan Dodd's probably been the most impressive player at camp so far. I mean, he's just been electric. Like you said, he's he's pumping 95, 96 with a fastball. He's getting it by guys. There's clearly a little bit of deception there that guys aren't really picking it up well. He's He's been really good. He's he's a command guy. Um, he doesn't walk a lot of people, which is something that I love. In, I think it's an underrated aspect of, of pitching prospects. I think we look at strikeouts too much and accumulating strikeouts too much, and I, I don't think we look at you know, limiting walks enough and guys that don't walk people just, they have, it's like, it's like position players that are really good on defense, right? Like it just raises your floor so much. And, and, and so I, I've been a really impressed with Dylan Dodd. I would love to see more of him, but yeah, Allard looked good today and you never know. I mean, spring is so weird. You don't know who you're facing or if you got a, a bunch of major leaguers or you got a bunch of minor leaguers or, you know, did you have to sit on a bus for two hours before you pitched, you know? Spring is just so random, so you, you never can take just one start and isolate it too much because there's just no point in doing that. But, yeah, the Braves definitely need somebody to step up. I, I, I agree with Mark, and you and I talked about it. I don't think Soroka is going to be ready now. They're just not going to rush him, which obviously they shouldn't do. And when, you get, when you're already two weeks behind everybody else, there's just no, there's no real way to catch up because you just can't rush. You know, you're going to wait. However many days you have to wait in between when you throw is not going to change, so... You know, once you get behind, it's just tough to catch up. So, yeah, I don't think Soroka's going to be there uh, to start with. So, you know, Anderson, Allard, Elder, Dodd, those are probably the guys to really focus on now for that fifth starter spot. Unless they go and, you know, I guess technically they could go and add somebody. Um, It's pretty late in the game to do that, but it's happened before. So I guess that is a possibility. But in terms of internal options, I think it's probably down to those four. Potentially, too. This this Gwinnett rotation could be really good. I mean, at some point, you're probably going to have either Mike Soroka or Ian Anderson there. Uh, Colby Allard could be there. And then you've got Dylan Dodd, Darius Vines, and Jared Schuster. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not a bad – I mean, that's not that's a really bad uh, bad rotation to draw from. You know, a lot of times you have to worry about, you know, if the big league club needs a guy, you have to kind of worry about uh, who's pitching where at Gwinnett and who's scheduled. But, you know, you, you could almost feel comfortable grabbing any of those – five guys and and Vines, Soroka and Allard and Anderson are all on the 40 man roster. So it gives you a, a lot of, you know, a lot of flexibility there. And uh so, you know, like I said, this one nobody really stepped up in this first week or so other than Dylan Dodd, Kobe Allard too, I guess you could say. Uh he pitched pretty well today, but uh you know, the fifth starter spot is still still a long way to go there. Uh mentioned Von Grissom He's got off to a hot start at the plate. He's five for nine with a double, four RBI. He's looked really comfortable at the plate. And I'll be honest, I haven't noticed him 
defensively, and I think that in this situation, that's probably a pretty good thing. I did see the day the Braves doing a lot of infield positioning today uh, with the third baseman way off the line, short, and Grissom playing more up the up the middle. You know, it's not gonna the shift the shift's gone, and it's gonna really help those left-handed left-handed hitters but I still think you know you're still going to see some positioning and everything just like we talked about last week but it's starting to look like I think shortstop for many people was the biggest question mark coming in the spring but if you know this first week is any indication it looks like Grissom it's Grissom's job you know and I think right now he looks like the safest bet of any of these big three storylines yep and I think you you said it exactly how I was going to say it I you know you just you haven't noticed him on defense and that's all the Braves are looking for they're not looking for you know, they're not looking for flashy. They're not looking for elite. They're just looking for make the routine plays. If you don't get to every diving ball, whatever, um, you know, we're going to make up some value at the plate. And the Braves would be thrilled with that. And, you know, Vaughn's hit really well to start, which is always good to see. Guys who get off to slow starts at spring can sometimes start to, to, to press a little bit, especially young guys who really aren't used to it. So go ahead and get in three or four knocks under your belt early on. Kind of helps probably settle everything down. I don't think he's had any defensive misplays or even bottle bobbles or anything. I think he's just been rock solid over there. So, and again, that helps with the confidence because you know if you're if you know that everybody's watching your defense and then the first two plays you bobble, then every play after that is just going to be a, you know, you're just going to put so much pressure on yourself. So you know, getting off to a good start I think helps a lot. I was thinking about this today actually as we were watching Eli White hit another home run and I, I remember back to when Alex was talking about. Do they want to just go with defense and left and, and just let that guy bat and bat at the very bottom of the order? And I was thinking, you know, how well Von Grissom hits does kind of play a role there because if Von Grissom hits really well and you've already got eight really good guys, you know, offensive guys in the lineup, then you can live with a, you know, a kind of an offensive negative at that nine spot, right? What you don't really want is two, two guys like that. So if Von doesn't hit, then, you know, you have to lean more on offense from left field. So they are connected in a way. And, and, you know, if Vaughn hits the way a lot of people think he will, then it really does give the Braves a lot of options. And we're going to get to left field here in a second. But how well he hits has a carryover effect to the spot in the lineup right below him. And that matters. And it, it, it could matter to the point of deciding which guy gets that job. So it is important. You know, I think everybody's just assumed he's going to hit. And I do, you know, I think you and I talked about this a little bit last year. He does have some things in his, in his batted ball profile that are a little concerning. He doesn't hit the ball terribly hard. So, you know, I do want to see another full year of him being able to hit, you know, at the major league level. But, you know, a lot of people have a lot of confidence in his bat. So, you know, if he can hit a little bit, field a little bit, you know, play at the bottom of the order, then, then the Braves will be perfectly fine with that about the only thing I've seen negative in, in, with Grissom was that he tried to he tried to move up to third today on an infield uh, ground ball to the shortstop and got yep. a pretty hilarious hard look from uh, Ron Washington as he was walking <laughs> off the field you know but I mean you know, he's aggressive and, and you like that stuff but I mean like you said shortstop wise I mean he's made all the plays that I've expected him to play and it just hasn't nothing's materialized yet still early on uh, expect Orlando Arcia to still see a lot of action at shortstop but I mean at the end of the day it, it looks like it's this is Grissom's job and I mean unless he just has a it just goes south quickly you know I think he's gonna at least get a shot begin the season at a shortstop and you know pretty soon we might not even have this as a storyline anymore left field though is a, a little bit more interesting you know again it's such a small tiny sample size 
that I don't want to get too caught up in these uh, stats, but Eli White probably has been the biggest surprise of the of the group. Um, I think he's I've got him for three for eight, double homer, three walks, which is great, and a stolen base. He's um, he's made some adjustments at the plate. hadn't had any success at all, really, in the major leagues prior to uh, uh, coming to Atlanta. So it'll be interesting to see if he can keep this up through the spring. Uh, Kevin Pilar, Sam Hilliard, they've got a couple hits each. Pilar's played all over the place. I think he's started in all three – or seen action in all three outfield positions. Uh, Hilliard's played center some. Eli White played center against the Mets. Eddie Rosario's one for eight, but I think he's looked a little better too. You know, I think he's hit the ball hard a couple of times into outs. Uh, I had an adventure in the outfield uh, earlier this week, but I also saw Michael Harris lose one in the sun that day. So I might have to give Rosario a little bit of a pass. And then there's the Marcelo Zuna, of course. I don't really like – I've said this on the podcast many times. I don't like in, including him in this left field discussion because I just don't feel like he needs to be an option there. But he's been seeing some action out there. He's one for nine, four strikeouts. But the interesting thing about it, and I was asked about this earlier today, and I don't know how much we really need to read into it, but the Braves have been playing most of their starters, you know, all together in a in a in a in a lineup, and then the next day, it's been pretty much B team or uh, you know reserves and Marcel Ozuna. So Ozuna's been on two two lengthy road trips already in, in this spring, and. uh uh, it hasn't been in that main group with Acuna, uh, Matt Olson, Austin Riley. I don't know how much you can read into that. It does feel like that he right now he's not he's not in that lead group of guys. We know this stuff can change. I don't put too much stock into spring training lineups. But what's your assessment of the outfield situation and left? Do you think it means anything that Ozuna's been on these uh, had to had to travel on a couple of these uh, these road trips? I know it's been a, that's been a buzz on Twitter this week. Yeah, I tweeted this. I've I've talked about this a couple times on Twitter. I, I have no idea if it means anything. I, maybe not. I mean, they just it just might be the way it's it's you know sh- uh, shook out the first week is that he just ends up on these road trips, but. You know, it's not normal for a guy that's got as much established. He's a, I mean, Azuna's an established vet, and those guys typically do not go on long bus trips early in spring, especially when it's a long spring and you know it's a WBC year and it's a longer spring. Managers do not usually send vets on those long bus trips, and so people were saying, you know, I had people telling me like it's not that big a deal. He's on these trips, like it is noteworthy because it's not normal. Guys that have as much service time as Azuna does and make as much money as him they don't typically do this they don't typically ride the bus this much early on so it is noteworthy again I, I i do think it's a situation where there is a clear gap between the starters and all the guys who are kind of the you know the fringe guys and i think the team views ozuna much closer to the fringe guys category than they do a starter i've said this before but even if you just ignore everything that's happened off the field just completely ignore. Don't even think about it, and just look at on the field. That's that's fair. I mean, that, he should be a fringe guy, and maybe not even a fringe guy. Maybe just a guy that's not on the team. And it it has been interesting. But left field has been, you know, it, this has been the really the one that is interesting to me. It does look like, or it does seem like, the way Rosario's been in the game with all the um, with all the regulars that, and like you said, he's looked better. He's hit the ball harder. Um, he's still not a great defender, but he's never going to be. I mean, you know, they didn't get him because of his defense. They got it because 
when he's on, he hits the ball really hard and, and he can do damage. And obviously we all saw that in, in 2021. So it does, I do get the sense at least at this point that, you know, he's pretty good much got a, 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 a stranglehold on the left field starting spot. But the caveat to that is we haven't seen Jordan Luplo yet. And Jordan Luplo has been hurt. And so, you know, I think if there's any one guy that can maybe upset that arrangement, it would be him. So we'll see once he gets healthy. He's had this oblique stuff that's come up. And, um, you know, once he's healthy, he can hit. And we'll we'll see. I'll I'll be more to see what they do with the lineups. Obviously, Eddie's going to be in the WBC. So, you know, somebody is going to have to get those spots. But, you know, if Luplo comes in and and really starts hitting well, that could definitely turn into a platoon very quick. But, you know, the other guys have looked really good. I I did not realize how big Eli White was. He's a big man. You know, you look at his numbers and he's never been like, he's never really hit for any kind of power. And then you look at him and you're like, what, what, what's, ha- what's happening? Like the dude is huge. He's like six, three, like two ten or something like that. And he's got long arms, he's got long levers and he drove a ball to the right center field gap for a double uh, a couple of days ago. He hit a monster home run today. So I do think the Braves have some philosophical things that they do with hitters that allow them to tap into their power a little more. The Braves are a team that don't really care about strikeouts. You know, they're, they're not really teaching, you know, contact and cut down on your swing and, you know, try to punch the ball the other way. They, they don't do that. They hit, they hit home runs. They, they care a lot about homers and they've used them as a weapon the last four or five years. And I think that's going to help a guy like Eli White, who, you know, power has been kind of the thing that has never really come along. But he's got the he's got the tools to do it. You know, he's a big guy. He's a strong guy. So it's been good to see Pilar's, you know, had a good start. The thing I like about Eli White and Pilar is they can, they can play center field. And that I think that does matter. You know, I know Sam Hilliard can technically play center field as well. But, I know, I don't know. Because he's left-handed and Michael Harris is left-handed, it doesn't – it's not as clean a fit as a right-handed center fielder. So, you know, if there's a tough lefty one day that you don't want Michael to face – it just makes more sense to have a right-handed center fielder as your backup. So I think that will help. Um, but, yeah, it's been good. It's been really good to see those guys. They do have talent. I think the Braves, you know, they didn't go with a big splash name. They went with some upside on some guys that were probably undervalued. So we'll see. We'll see how, how it shakes out. But it's been a good start for those guys. Yeah, I was surprised by how big White looks too. And then, you know, Sam Hilliard, we all I knew he was a big guy, but man, he's he was, a monster. He looks yeah, he, he was very physically impressive. Uh and then, you know, runs well. That's I think that's the surprising thing. You know, he's I think he actually he's graded out above average in center, which is uh and that most of that time was at Colorado, you know, and that's a yeah. big uh that's a big outfield there to be uh, covering. So, you know, it's an intriguing situation with the outfield. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Rosario performs in the World Baseball Classic again. I don't know how much you should read into that, but, you know, I, I think it will be good to see him getting some legitimate uh, at-bats again, you know, in a, in a pretty good competition um, as far as World Baseball Classic. So that'll be something interesting to see, uh, you know, as you mentioned, hopefully uh, Luplo's into this picture soon because if I'm not mistaken, I think Rosario and Acuna leave Sunday. I believe I read that today. So they'll be with the team up to then, and then they'll head down to Miami to join the World Baseball Classic team. So be interesting to see how the, you know that'll give that'll give some of these other guys uh, opportunities to to impress and uh, and get reps until they you know until they're back in the lineup. 
All right, you mentioned a few minutes ago Jordan Luplo. He's been slowed by an oblique uh, injury, and we know as everybody knows about oblique injury. I mean, it can happen to virtually any any baseball player. It doesn't matter what position, but those things can be serious. So I, I expect the Braves to play it really safe with him. The way it, the way he talked, it was just soreness. But we really haven't had a another update in the last few days so be interesting to see but on another injury note and this one this one really stinks uh come it was reported when late wednesday night blake burkhalter a uh, reliever from out of auburn is headed for tommy john surgery and i do believe justin toscano of the atlanta journal confirmed this report on thursday and had a quote from brian snicker in that article so you know bad luck for burkhalter because man he looked he made one spring appearance i think he had two strikeouts looked looked good and uh, i'm not sure when this injury came about you know if it was something something that's been nagging or something that uh showed up after that outing or what but uh you know you hate to see it because this was a guy that if they stuck him as a reliever I felt like he might be an option this year at some point. You know, I mean, he was. I feel like if he's a if he's in relief role, that he would have moved through the system really, really fast. So, you know, just a just a tough. You hate it for the kid like that, but uh, you know, hopefully uh, he can get surgery here pretty quick, and then, you know, maybe we're talking about him again next spring. You know, it it does suck. It, Tommy John is, you know, it, because it just knocks a guy out for a full year. I mean, that's really what, what stings is. You know, you know as soon as you see it that the guy's just done for the year, and so that's the bummer. And like you said, he, a ton of talent. I mean, a really talented guy. And I don't know. I know we. I know I'd heard that they had talked about trying him as a starter. I'd also heard that they, you know, they brought him to camp as more of a reliever. I don't actually know what their what the plan was going to be this year. I'm guessing they would try him at starter a little bit. But if the Braves needed help in the bullpen, then I'm guessing they would have gone to him pretty quickly, just because uh, three year college arm guys like that are. Are, are pretty advanced they don't need a lot of seasoning like a lot of other positions do so yeah that was a bummer the you know the only bright side is is you know where it happened in the calendar means it's probably just a 2023 thing you know if you get tommy john in like july or august or something then you're you're missing all of the rest of the, the that season and then all of the next typically so the fact that it happened in march means he gets you know 12 months and and it's not even really a 12-month recovery anymore. It used to be a full 12 to 14 or something like that, but now it's more like 9 or 10 uh, from a lot of guys. So, you know, we'll see how he how he responds. Obviously, the Braves have had a couple guys, you know, Matzik and, and others that have gotten Tommy John this spring already. So it is a bummer anytime you see it, and it's early in his career. Tommy John is a surgery that has the, the expectant recovery of that surgery has really, really gone through almost through the roof. I mean, a lot of guys come back better than they were. Uh, uh, most guys come back as good. You know, it's not really a, a, a career-ending in, in injury the way it was feared kind of early on in its life cycle. So they, they've gotten really good at the surgery, and, and guys really do come back usually as good, if not better. So, you know, I'm sure he'll be back, and it'll be fun to see him in 2024. Yeah, and now they've got – we don't have very many details on this injury yet, but – you know, now they're they're developing this brace procedure that uh, you know goes along with Tommy John surgery in a lot of cases, and and has cut that rehab time even even shorter. Obviously, we don't know what kind of procedure Burkhalter is going to have, and we may not until he's back. You know, at this point, but like you said, if you've got to have Tommy John surgery. Now it's probably as, as good a time as any because, like you said, he may not be ready for the start of camp next year, but he should be throwing 
probably off a mound before spring ends next season, you know, and then and then we could obviously see him in the in the majors at some point. Uh, everybody's kind of raved about him. I think one of the reasons that the Braves talked about using him as a starter was because he. Had, I think he's already throwing. I think he's got three or four pitches that you know he can rely on as yeah. a, as a reliever and, and uh, has a pretty good handle on them. So, you know, it made sense maybe to do it. But I, I also think that he's got experience relieving in the SEC. You know, I just feel like if, if they want to stick him at reliever, they know he can move real fast. So hopefully he gets healthy real soon, uh, has a good, you know, recovery process and, uh, you know, where he's back in the mix at some point next season. All right, wrapping this thing up here, we wanted to look at uh, Zip's projections came back out came out a couple of weeks ago at Fangraphs, and uh, they've updated their projected standings through depth charts. And uh, you know, it was a little bit surprising, but the Braves were came out uh, rated number one in this uh, in this com, uh, thing. They were projected for originally for ninety four point six wins, had a ninety two point four percent chance to make the playoffs, fourteen point six percent chance to win the World Series. Uh, so Fangrass, you know, really liked likes this roster, those projection systems that they use there to come up with their stand, projected standings. So I thought it was interesting. Uh, I know we run an SB Nation Reacts poll last week, I believe. It might have been early this week. My days are running together. But uh, only 53% of the people that voted in that poll thought the Braves did enough this offseason. Now, granted, uh, you and I, as you and I have talked a bunch of times, nobody ever thinks their team did enough. We knew going into this offseason that uh, the Braves weren't going to do a ton uh, because they had locked up so many guys. There wasn't that many holes to fill. Right now, though, they, it looks like they're going to try to fill what holes they did have internal with internal options. Sean Murphy trade, I think, is a huge, a big thing. Uh, a lot, it's a lot bigger move than more people than a lot of people are talking about. So, you know, it's interesting. Was you surprised here? I mean, the Braves—they've got them projected ahead of the Yankees, ahead of the Padres, ahead of the Mets ahead of all the heavy hitters here uh so you know i thought i thought that was really uh you know that was kind of eye-opening yeah we i mean we said it all off season that this team was insanely talented like just the team they had returning before they made a single move i mean they're just ridiculously talented they have so much depth i did a poll not a poll but i i was talking about something on twitter a couple of weeks ago about you know the number of players on the team that could potentially have like five win seasons or guys on the team that have already had five win seasons at some point in their career and the Braves have like eight or nine guys that could without anything crazy happening having you know could have like a five win season in 2023 I mean most teams have like two or three and the Braves have like eight or nine depending on what you think of you know Kyle Wright or you know Matt Olson's ability to put up five wins you know that those are the guys that are eight and nine I mean that's that's how deep this team is and they just have so much depth, especially at position player. I mean, Acuna, Riley, uh, Harris, you know, Ozzy, Sean Murphy, Olsen. I mean, Chris, I mean, there's so much talent that, and the Braves have said it multiple times that they have no interest in building a team around one guy about all being tied to one guy. They want to spread the money around as much as possible. They want to spread the talent around as much as possible. And that mitigates your risk. You know, that does. I mean, you, you're you not tied to, you know, the, like the Mets. You know, if something happens to Scherzer and, and Verlander, the Mets are just screwed. I mean, they're just royally screwed. They they don't have they don't have the overall depth that the Braves have to absorb, you know, big injuries. And so, and obviously there's a certain amount of injuries that no team can overcome. But, 
you know, the Braves have really kind of built a roster that can sustain some big losses and still be fine. And so I, I wasn't that surprised. You know, the Dodgers are usually up there ahead of the Braves, but, you know, kind of everyone knows by now the Dodgers kind of had a really quiet uh, offseason. They just lost Gavin Lux for the season. I think I think he tore his ACL, so it, it got even worse for them. So, you know, they're not there. I was surprised maybe the Padres weren't a little higher. Um, I, I probably, if I was doing them myself, would have had the Padres above the Braves just because of Soto and Machado and Tatis and, and Bogarts, you know, that's a, that's a pretty nasty top four. But, you know, the, the Braves do win out a lot of those battles just with pure depth. I mean, they've got, you know, I haven't talked about guys like Darno and, you know, all the um, all the outfielders they brought in. And, you know, they, they, they just have a ton of depth. And, you know, that gets lost a little bit. You know, a lot of people look at star power, your top two or three players, and t- or, you know, top three or four or four or five players. But... The Braves beat you by having a, an amazing like top fifteen, right? I mean they're just they're just crazy deep, and so um, it's going to be fun to watch. And I have no, you know, I have no reason to believe they won't be one of the best teams in baseball again in in twenty twenty three. Yeah, I mean one of the things that jumped out at me is you know if you when I, lo- I was looking at the Zips projections when they first came out, I mean you can you can look at shortstop, and you and I have talked about it, the projection systems all love Von Grissom, yeah. uh, especially offensively. And, you know, so you could look there and say, well, you know, that's that's kind of iffy. Could he get to that? I think they've got him at 2.2 projected war. But, you know, then I look out here at Acuna is at four and a half. And I'm going to tell you, if Acuna is right, then a five, six win season's possible. I mean, there's no he, doubt about he, it. He he put four and a half up in right. half a season in 2020. Exactly. So I mean, you know, you can say, well, that's that's a, you know, that's an understatement there. Possibly that's probably you know, coming off an injury, I get it. But you know, you can see you can see a lot of improvement there. Left field, uh, it's projected between Rosario, Zuna, Luplo, it's like zero point six. But you know, if Eddie Rosario is back to Eddie Rosario. You know, I don't see any reason he can't be a two-win player. You know, at, at this point, um, I think it's possible. You know, it may not may not happen, but um, you know, I think if you look back over his career, he could be in that one and a half by himself anyway range. So, you know, and then like you said, with the pitching, I mean, I think some of these, you know, you might look at Charlie Morton and three point one uh, projected WAR as being maybe optimistic but you know Strider at 3.6 I mean if he's anything close to what he was last year with the amount of in and being in the rotation from the start you know he's going to be able to eclipse that so yeah like you said I mean it's just teams I think when you watch it all the time you see what some of these other teams do like the Padres I mean I agree with you I think they're you know they should be projection darlings I just think a lot of their question marks probably in their rotation a little bit but you know I think you watch these guys every day and you think well you know you just you take it for granted a little bit and you can't see you don't really see what all the uh value and how much depth they actually have here and uh you know and like you said a lot of it's locked up for long term you know that's a that's a good thing and that's it's, it's exactly what you alluded to you know they're not built around one person one player you know this is a collective group that if uh, somebody goes down then they've probably still got enough to overcome it yep and you know Alex will make moves you know come july if he needs to especially in left or you know if shortstop doesn't go well i mean there's no you know alex talked about this at the beginning of spring but like there's no rule that says whoever starts that job you know finishes with that job so 
you know, there's moves to be made if they need to. And, you know, I do think Ozzy is probably a guy that's probably at this point a little underrated just because he's been hurt and he didn't have the best season that he wanted, you know, when he did play last year. But anytime he's played a full 162 games or 160 games, you know, he's been a four-win second baseman. And I think he's at three in these projections. Like you said, Strider is a guy that's probably a little under-projected just because we we still need to see it another year. And the Sean Murphy trade, and you touched on it, I do want to cover this just for a second, but you know, I think people really, the Sean Murphy move was the Braves' big move this offseason. And I think some people have undervalued it because they didn't view catcher as a place that needed to be upgraded. And I think the part of that that's being missed is that with these new rules, how good you are defensively at catcher matters so much more this year than it, and it, than it has in a long time. Because you're going to have guys stealing bases at a rate that they haven't done it in a long time, right? You need a guy that's got a really strong arm. You need a guy that can potentially pick a guy off first from the catcher spot just because pitchers can't really pick off as much as they, you know, obviously there's rules about how many times you can throw over. So you got to have a guy who can not only throw guys out at first, but, you know, really hold guys or throw guys out at second, but can hold guys at first as well. And then also, you know, with the pitch clock, your catcher doesn't have time to run through seven different signs and for you to get the one exact pitch that you want. With a pitch clock, you're going to have to just kind of trust the catcher to call a really good game, right? And so how good you how good you are defensively at catcher, you know, matters so much more this year. And I think the Braves, I think one of the reasons they gave up Contreras, and listen, giving up Contreras was probably not easy, but they just saw such massive defensive upgrades in a season where, you know, how good you are on defense at catcher matters more than it has in maybe ever. You know, I think it's a big deal, and it's probably been lost on some people just because in a lot of people's mind, catcher wasn't a position that really needed to be upgraded. But in reality, defensive play at catcher definitely was a position that needed to be upgraded. And Sean's got quite a bit of upside with his bat too. So I do think it was a big deal. Um, I think we'll you know, as we actually watch games unfold over the year, we'll, I think more casual fans will probably start to understand and see with their own two eyes exactly why it was a big deal um, and why that is should be considered the Braves' big move for the offseason. But, yeah, it's just so much depth. And, you know, I love having depth, man. I love having, because it's such a long season. You're always going to have guys who are out with a nagging injury or, you know, not having the best, you know, not going through the best time with the bat. You know, they're in a slump whatever you you just need you need bodies that can produce when other guys aren't and you know if you're always relying on two or three guys then it's a lot it's a lot more inconsistent than when you have eight or nine guys that can all can contribute because odds are somebody's going to be hot I mean the odds of all everyone going cold at the same time are pretty low so I love it I can't wait I'm I think the Braves have earned you know the, the all the love and respect that they're getting from these projection systems and you know, yeah, I, I think they'll be, I think, 95, 96, 97. All, you know, any of those win totals make sense to me. And it could be higher, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, the NL East, obviously, is going to be nuts with uh, the Mets and the Phillies. And I do think the Marlins are probably going to be a little bit better. But they may not have more wins. You know, you might not be able to tell it from their record just because they're in the, they're in the same division with three heavyweight teams. You know, I've been asked a couple of times this week already. You know, if there was a sleeper on this on this roster or a sleeper move that they made, and I say, you know, Sean Murphy's been my answer both times, and it's you know, and I know that's crazy when that's the big move that they made, but I just don't think I don't. I just think a lot of people are sleeping on 
uh, how big that acquisition is. I think, look, we all loved William Contreras, and Contreras was huge for that team last year. Uh, but Murphy being out in Oakland, you know, and you're not watching him, you're not watching them play, you know, high quality, uh, high com- highly competitive games, you know, on the West Coast. You're not going to be tuning in to watch them that much. So I think a lot of Braves fans are going to be really surprised. Uh, once once they see what Murphy brings to the table, and you know you you hit on it exactly. He, you know he talked at Braves Fest about how important with the pitch clock it is getting on the same page with all these pitchers, because as you said, they can't go through you know they can't go through three sets of signs. He's got to kind of be in tune with them, and uh, you know and that's going to be a work in progress, uh, especially for a guy that's coming brand new, you know, and working with a bunch of pitchers that he's never worked with before. But you know, I think. Uh, I think once the once we uh, once we can see him back there with uh, regular uh, regular situations, you're gonna everybody's gonna be pleased with the outcome of that trade. Yep, and it's it's a really big deal to still have Travis. You know, we I don't want to I don't want to ignore that either. Uh, having both guys is a really big deal, and obviously with Atlanta Summers, you got to have two guys. And so, you know, I don't want to just give all the love to to Sean. Um, Travis matters a lot too, and you know, having the relationship he has with all the pitchers. It's just, I mean, it's just incredible depth. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. Just incredible depth that they've built. And like I said, if, if they have spots that aren't performing in season, they'll go add more. They'll add more guys, you know, outfield specifically is a, a spot that's pretty easy to, to acquire in, 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 in season and shortstop's a little harder, but you know, left field, certainly not. So, um, you know, they could add if they need, you know, if they've got an area that's lacking come July, they could still add. So it's just an incredible amount of depth. And it's it's all credit to Alex and his team for, for building what's arguably the best roster in baseball. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for this week. You know, Stephen and I are both still on Twitter and you can follow me there at Chris with a K, Chris underscore Willis. Stephen is B Outliers. We'll see you guys again next week.